So, have you ever wanted to uh, to sort of canter around around the the, the the world? Yes. And where would you start this? Uh, where would you start this circumnavigation of the Earth? What uh, what area? I would canter from Canterbury, where Thomas a Becket has been laid to rest. That's my starting point. <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking maybe more an area of New York City. Uh, one one that experienced a uh, a renaissance of sorts of uh, of African American art and music. Queens of African American art and music. Uh, uh Brooklyn of African American. <laughs> New Jersey? Art and music. <laughs> I'm so lost. I, uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Africa's in Africa. America is in America. To your credit, you are not racist at all in this episode. You're sort of, you're getting it out now in the intro, which we're recording a week later. I, I don't see race, and subsequently, <laughs> I've never laid eyes on a person of color in my life. <laughs> So I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, we're we're here to talk today about the Queen's Globetrotters. Let's just let's get into it. I would have. Uh, I think the Williamsburg Globetrotters would have been oh, like, the better that show. That would have been I'm, better. Yeah, I, I'm sorry to like drag you like this in front <laughs> of our uh, in front of our listeners. Uh, yeah, we're um the Scooby Doo new Scooby Doo movies. Is that the new Scooby Doo movies? Is what we're going to talk about this week. And Evan has dragged me to the point of saying we're going to talk about the Harlem Globetrotters guest starring on this very special 40-minute episode of Scooby-Doo. Obviously, our episode's not 40 minutes. It's more. It's always going to be more. <laughs> it's always going to be longer. Yeah. Uh, except maybe when we do the Scooby-Doo movie. That might actually be shorter than the movie. No, it's going to be as long as the movie. <laughs> it's definitely going to be longer. <laughs> no chance otherwise. But the Harlem Globetrotters... Put on that sweet Georgia Brown. Get a basketball on your knee, bro. We're going to talk some b-ball. Hoops. Uh, yeah, S- sports <laughs> reference. I, you, you pretty much got them all. Uh, shoot a three. Do a layup. Slam dunk. Um, Double dribble. And one. You're out of there. Touchdown. Okay, you know more about basketball than that. You're, <laughs> you know what? Please enjoy the episode. Thank you so much for listening whoa this is scooby dudes this is oh yeah we're we're two dudes here to talk to you about our favorite meddling kids and their dumb dog too scooby dudes enjoy the episode we're gonna do the theme song and then we're gonna do another intro two dudes talking about scooby doo two dudes just like you unless you're a lady mm, this show is for ladies too if you're lgbtq we are your scooby dudes uh, hey, Luke. Hey, Evan. Here it comes. <laughs> Wait, here what comes? You've, you've got the the pre-bit giggles, where I know you're about to, to lay something down that is going to hurt me physically and emotionally and mentally. Come on, tell, give it to me. <laughs> Just lay it on me, pal. What's it going to be? It's such a, there's so much defeat in your voice and on your face right now. What do you need to find for you? Is it a sport? Do you need me to give the definition of sport? Because I'll do it. What is a sport? A sport? Well, I would be a good one if I shut this bit down hard. <laughs> and let us get into the episode. Every episode from now until episode 100. Hey, Luke, what is a sport Oh, Evan. Oh, you're being tricky now. It's a spoon fork, and you know it. Uh, another another episode takes place in the Everglades. Luke, what what is a stork? Well, Evan, uh, when a man and a woman love each other very much, a stork delivers a baby to their doorstep. 
Oh man, we're we're not doing an episode. Actually, we are doing an episode that relates to sport. You could have said that, and it would be relevant. I, I was going to. Is that what you were gonna do? Did I call it? Oh my gosh! It actually was. Yeah. Oh my gosh! That was completely my intention. We're, we are doing an episode relating to sport. We're doing an episode from the new Scooby-Doo movies. The episode is titled The Ghostly Creep from the Deep, and it's related to sport because it guest stars the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, we had really been putting them off for quite a while just because um, the new Scooby-Doo movies are double-length episodes. So they're like 45-ish minutes. Yeah, each episode is 40 minutes long, and we're going to try not to make this an extra-long podcast episode. So we've got a lot of ground to cover. The reason that we put it off for so long, again, is, is because it's super long. But, chronologically speaking, uh, this comes after Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? So, we mm-hmm. really have been sort of, like, dragging our feet to get to this. Uh, which isn't to say that it isn't good, because I, I had a good time. Yeah, not to say we're not looking forward to it. This is, um, these uh, episodes are some of the most memorable ones for me as a kid. Like, I really remember the Globetrotters and Scooby-Doo. And that's the thing with the Scooby-Doo, the new Scooby-Doo movies in general, is that each one has a guest star. And the Globetrotters are their most frequent guest stars, starring in three different episodes. That pretty much uh, provides the context for what this is. Um, as another added detail, uh, this uh, premiered in 1972. Uh, they made 24 episodes. And from then, they uh, moved on to uh, the Scooby-Doo show. So they were, they were back to normal, but they just had a little bit of a of a diversion of sorts where they're just like we're just going to do these fun double length guest star episodes yeah and uh, and they are a lot of fun most of the episodes include like other Hanna-Barbera people or uh, comedy actors uh, contemporarily like Don Knotts uh, there's an Adams Family one Batman and Robin make an appearance the Globetrotters to me I think they're an interesting choice um, and we should probably say who the Globetrotters are for some people who don't who might not know that yeah, I feel like you are more deeply familiar with them than I am, so I, I leave it up to you. Well, I, I loved the Globetrotters growing up. I went through a phase where I was really into basketball in like middle school and high school, and uh, the Globetrotters are a basketball team. Uh, they're all black, they're very well established, and they're kind of like a comedy basketball team. Um, they're they have, they're very, all very, very talented basketball players on their team, but for the most part, they just do a lot of jokes and gags in their games. It's not about who wins, it's just about all the silly ways that they break the rules and they uh, do all these great basketball tricks like pretending to pass but then it's still behind your back like bouncing it off of somebody's head and then catching it uh, one of my favorite gags is that they like as one of the Globetrotters is going up for a jump shot they have a rubber band with the ball so it like shoots out but then they suck it back to the hand and that's what the Globetrotters are they're a comedy basketball team and they're all black which you part of the history of the Globetrotters is really interesting because they were developed and they really came up during some really oppressive, segregated times. So I love the Globetrotters. That's something that if you if you don't know about them, I'd really encourage you to go look up a video. Even if you're not a basketball fan, these videos are really entertaining to watch. Have you ever seen any video like that, Evan? I will have to admit that I have not. Well, most of the stuff they do in this episode, some of the stuff they do in this episode, <laughs> are things that they do on the court, especially at the very end of the episode. Actually, I should back that up a little bit too. Not everything there is humanly possible but uh, you're telling me that they don't drive forklifts out onto the out onto the court that's right neither do they set up a giant like ventilation tube system to poke the ball through sending it to the other end of the court favorite i was okay i'll bring it up again later i loved it so much keeps escalating in such a pleasing way oh man there's this episode 
I'm going to have to apologize at the beginning. We're not going to be able to cover everything in this episode that I wish we could cover. It's it's just incredibly long, but we're going to do our best. So I think I think that sort of lays out the the history of the show, the context of the show, who the Globetrotters are. Let's... Yeah, a, a little bit more if I could. Um, sure. Just to say, the specific Globetrotters we're dealing with, again, because I love the history, is Meadowlark Lemon, number 36. He was the clown prince, probably one of the most famous Globetrotters in history. Curly Neal, also a legendary Globetrotter. He's bald. And he's named Curly, that's his nickname, based on the, the Three Stooges character, who's also bald and named Curly. There's also Geese Osby, another legend, and three lesser-known uh, Globetrotters, B.J. Mason, Pablo Robertson, and Jip Gibson. And they each have individual, uh, unique characters. The thing I really want to note here is that all of them but one are voiced by people of color, which I think is a great touch, although none of them are voiced by original Globetrotters. Yes, that's what I was going to check and see. Uh, which I think is interesting. Um, but it, it is worth noting, they didn't just find, like, white guys and just been like, hey, how's your black voice? How is your Ebonics? No, they got, in fact, they got some pretty good, big name uh, actors of color. Scatman Carruthers voices one of these guys. Uh, it's pretty cool. And again, there is one white dude who voices one of these, but I still think it's pretty progressive for the time period. Um, one big question for you, and before we dive in, what do you think about the idea of Scooby-Doo crossover episodes? Because some people might think of it as kitschy or cheap or cheesy. I think once you get into the, like, like the Harlem Globetrotter episodes are definitely, like, some of the most memorable Scooby-Doo crossover episodes. Um, but ones mm-hmm. that really stuck out for me from my childhood were when they met Batman and Robin. And I think that's where things get a little bit dicier, if only because... Um, Batman and Robin live in a world that is more fantastical. It's a very different... They, they're coming from a different tone than Scooby-Doo is, where Globetrotters and Scooby-Doo are equally comedic. Like, it's the same kind of... They, they can adopt the same tone pretty easily. Like, like in Scooby-Doo, it's like, oh, uh, it's it's a clay monster. Nope, it's just Mr. Uh, Jonathan Saffron Foer. Um, I, I, I just... <laughs> I saw you glance behind... <laughs> <laughs> the only it, could, it couldn't have been more obvious if you're like no it's mr mark millar <laughs> um but but in like the world of batman it's like no that clay monster is literally a man monster made of clay so that's where mm. i think it gets a little bit like i said dicier but real human characters yeah. i i have no problem with it yeah me neither I, th- I think it works pretty well here it's not like to use a more recent example the simpsons family guy crossover which i thought was ungodly awful in every regard because those are two very different types of comedy, both of which were uniting at their low point. I think Scooby-Doo has had a sustained high point for a long time, and it's compatible comedically with the Globetrotters and most of the other uh, crossovers they do. I agree. So, mm-hmm. so to get right in, yeah. um, any notes on the theme to your thinking? Yeah, I, I have one. I was hoping. Um, All right. And you, you know sort of the theme song, uh, Scooby, Scooby-Doo. In the original theme song, uh, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? It's um, Scooby-Dooby-Doo, right? Sorry, that's, that is not the tone. Scoob. Hey, Scooby! Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Yeah, Scooby-Dooby-Doo, oh, looking for you. Scooby-Dooby-Doo, where are ya? And in this, they're like, L- listen, I want you to come up with a brand new theme song. Oh, okay, well, can I use the original tune? Sure, but I want the lyrics to be completely different. Com- com- yes, I want them to be completely different. Okay, but so, they're completely different, but can I use some of the same lyrics? Yes, but I want them to still be distinct. Okay, so how about instead of Scooby-Dooby-Doo, I say Scooby-Scooby-Doo. 
It sounds like you said two completely different things. That was basically a different language to me. That's what stood out to me, is they, they made, like, the tiniest of changes. The the only other thing that stood out to me is that the next uh, line is, All the stars are here, waiting for you, couldn't have a show without ya. So it does acknowledge that these are celebrity guest episodes. Any memorable visuals in the theme song? At one point, Scooby uh, has a, has a, a standoff with a, a desperado. A gunslinger that looks very, uh, very mechanical. It's a very Westworld moment, and I recognize that almost every other episode I make a Westworld <laughs> reference here in this show. You do, and I still haven't seen it. It's so, so they're good. always lost on me. Um, Scooby sidles up. He he has his paw sort of stuck out uh, in the shape of a gun, and and the the gunslinger who he's facing off against fires four shots off to the side, which scares Scooby because he's a dog and they're loud noises. <laughs> And he doesn't shoot at Scooby, which you would think, maybe that's a good thing, I think, that they aren't showing, like, people shooting at each other in a kid's show. I'll, I'm okay with that. It's kind of perplexing. I mean, it's it's a standard intro in which Scooby runs away from monsters and the gang yeah. runs away from monsters. There's a lot of little uh, gag moments. Lots of exciting visuals. Scooby and Shaggy are swinging over a crocodile on a vine. Scooby's riding a bumper car. They're riding a minecart. They're running away from King Kong. The most memorable part for me was where... Uh, Scooby, like, they're like, hey, Scooby! And it, like, surprises Scooby, and he runs in four directions, making four different Scoobies who are all connected attached at the, at the tail. tail. Connected at the tail. And then they, like, zip back together. I like it. I don't know what to make of it. It's, it's very and, strange. If he was, like, an alien, then you'd be like, oh, this this is logical. This makes it, sense. Yeah, it looks like he has a superpower or something. But anyways, the theme song ends with, uh... Just, Scooby-Doo, no, Scooby, where are you? Over here. Green Goop then splashes over the screen with a wet sound effect and retracts to form the title. Yeah, very Nickelodeon. Very, yeah. When he gets oozed. Or slimed? Slimed, yeah. I think it's slime. Oh, what was that, like, Double Dare challenge? Was that the slime one? I believe so, yeah, yeah. I love Nickelodeon, that. classic. I hear that um, that, sh- I, I've heard that that show smelled horrible on set because it's this rancid smelling green slime that you can never quite clean out of the floor and it gets everywhere that is awful that is horrifying to consider disgusting to uh, imagine compared to how fun that looked on screen when, once the uh the intro wraps up we hear a voice who i believe is shaggy say today scooby-doo meets the globetrotters you know it's funny because it is casey Kasem, but it's not shaggy in my opinion yeah, it's, well, it's that, Casey it Kasem sound saying that. Quite enough like Shaggy, but it he, was recognizable enough for me to pinpoint the voice, right? Yeah, he, he's not doing Shaggy's voice. Um, and where do we jump in? So as we so often do, and actually we did just in that last Wimbledon episode before the Q and A that we did. Um, mm. They're in the Mystery Machine, and it's a foggy night. They're lost yeah, the, again. It's it's a very similar setup. The gang often gets, they're more lost than broken down from what we've seen recently, and I always thought they got broken down a lot more, but apparently lost in the fog is the big thing that happens a lot, and uh, that we don't know where they're going. Velma just says, hey, I've checked the map and the compass, and I'm I'm sure now we're totally lost. Scooby and Shaggy can't see where they're going because of the fog, and is it just me, or is Scooby really large? He's, he's a, I mean, he is a great Dane, but yeah, he's kind of sizable. I feel like they've sized him up to be proportionate to how much attention kids pay to him or something like that. It's, <laughs> so you're, it, you're, you're saying that at, at certain points, for example, in, uh, in Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, he's, he's dwindled to uh, Scrappy-esque proportions. Yeah, he's absolutely tiny. Whereas, say, like, Velma 
is just like mountain size. She's a fifty foot tall woman. Yeah, she's the the fifty foot t- proverbial woman in all those old comics. I just a, a weird visual moment. Um, from oh, there's so many little gags. Just yeah. I, I gotta take a moment to say this episode is loaded and loaded and loaded with puns and gags, and we won't get to all of them. And and it is again like forty forty five minutes. Uh, but it's jam-packed. There's not, they're not really treading a lot of water, I don't think. No, nor are there a lot of n- just visual chase scenes and stuff like that. Everyone is always talking and there's constant commentary going on on the action on the screen. Uh, for example, and this will help us um, continue the plot, uh, mm. they believe that something is following them in, in the swamp, in the, in the gloom. Um, and Yeah, they, they see a couple of glowing orbs floating behind the car following them. Velma says, will you two get a hold of each other? To which, uh, I think it's Scooby who responds, uh, we are! Because they're holding on to each other. Yeah, they grab onto each other in fright, as Scooby and Shaggy do. I always love it when they hold each other when they're frightened. And w- one thing that I have to say about that is, that joke lands so well with the audience, the laugh track actually drowns out some of the dialogue that precedes it. There are a couple parts during this episode where the, uh, the audience drowns out the dialogue. It almost sounds like they have no sound mixer and a live studio audience watching this, and that they have to record it all together. In a play, and I have been, I've been in a few, or in two, I've been in two plays, both of which were comedic productions, um, and when there's a lot of laughter, and, and you know this because we did stand-up as well, you need to pause to let the laughter finish. Yeah. You don't talk through it. Or you'll you'll lose the next laugh. This is a little sidetracky, but I took our mutual friend Matt to see improv for his first time. Oh, okay. And uh, the show we got to see was pretty much the best one here in the Twin Cities. It was The Mess, if you ever get a chance to see them. And they were so good that there was a period where for like two solid minutes, they couldn't say anything because everything they said was so funny, it drowned out any- the next thing they would say. Like they had... They could do one line and then they couldn't say anything for like the next 10 or 20 seconds. That is incredible. It's it's, incredible talent, yeah. It's also to say that like this is not an option for this show. Yeah, no. It's all pre-recorded, right? Yeah, this this is canned laughter. You don't have to bump it up that much. But who, what is, what are these two glowing orbs following the mystery machine? We gotta know, is is this a monster? Well, it it turns out that it's the Harlem Globetrotters in a, in a, a bus. In their own tour bus, yeah. And they mutually are lost, but their idea is, well, let's just follow this car in front of us until we get where we're going. Which is a theme that uh, really permeates this episode that I really loved, which is the Harlem Globetrotters and Mystery Incorporated playing off of one of each of each other and then getting very confused and mistaking each other for various entities. I also love that, and we're probably not going to have the time to outline every interaction, but there's a ton of interaction between the Globetrotters and the gang, and between the members of the Globetrotters. If you're a fan of the Globetrotters, and some of these are larger-than-life figures, there's a lot of opportunity to see them interact. But yeah, they're, they're, cha- they're following the mystery machine, and the, mi- the gang in return thinks they're now really being chased. Daphne even says at one point, before they've, it's been confirmed, confirmed, Freddy, my woman's intuition tells me something is on to us. Which is like, oh, Daphne, this is not a superpower you've ever, uh, you've ever, uh, presented before. Yeah, you've never claimed this before, woman's intuition. But she's right, there are some people behind them, and they are technically chasing them. This makes one of the first chase, the first chase scene of the episode. Low octane, though it is. It becomes very, very briefly high octane. When Fred says, oh, don't worry, gang, like, I'll lose him. He, he guns it into, I guess, third gear? 
I mean, it's, it's still not very fast. No, it's, it doesn't really look like it's going too different, but it, they must be driving more recklessly because they do get the van stuck in the mud. Uh, it, it drives into head, head, head first? Head first, yeah. The head of the car gets its face stuck in the water. And the water goes into the mouth, and the car's like, blech, gross. Cars 3, in theaters. <laughs> Uh, pretty soon, actually. Uh, maybe even when this episode comes out. Uh, but also... Mystery McQueen. The, the Harlem Globetrotters are, are right behind them. Thankfully, they do not uh, collide into the rear of the Mystery Machine. They they pull up alongside them, and their vehicle likewise goes face-first into the mud. So they're both moored, and there's a, a kind of an odd interaction when the two groups get introduced. Um, the gang says to the Globetrotters, What are you going to do? Almost like they're afraid of the Globetrotters, which is not a comfortable... That not, I'm it's, not great with that. It's not great, but it's also, like, maybe realistic. <laughs> I don't know if I want... <laughs> hold on, 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 Talk me back... Here, I'm going to give you a chance at, to backpedal a little at bit, the, but... At the time... At the time... I don't know if I want realistic depictions of, of race relations in Scooby-Doo for the time. But you could, I assumed it was because they thought the thing following them was a monster. That's the generous reading. And, and what the Globetrotters respond with, what are you going to do? They're like, we're not going to follow you anymore, obviously, because you got a, our thing stuck in the mud. Yeah, it's another joke. The Harlem Globetrotters are always on. Everything is equipped with the Globetrotters. I, I really love it. And that's when the gang recognizes them and says, hey, aren't you the, the, the Globetrotters? Uh, so they've crashed in the muck and the mud. They do see a pirate ship making its way through the swamp. And it appears to be unmanned. We don't see anyone on the pirate ship at first. Thankfully, they have, uh, they've crashed their vehicles uh, somewhat close to what looks to be an old inn. Yeah, they say it's old. I don't know if they say decrepit, but they do deride its, uh, its state a little bit. They, they say it's old, and is it, is it not Meadowlark who says uh, it doesn't matter that it's old? Yeah, he says, who cares if it's old? Let's go. And they say, well, and Scooby and Shaggy are intimidated by the oldness of it, so they actually stay behind. Which seems unprecedented to me. Normally it's like, all right, Scooby and Shaggy, like, well, if you want to stay around here, by all means, and, and they don't. <laughs> if you want to be left alone, and they're like, not alone, anything but alone. And, and they tag along. But this time they actually do just stick around. They, they uh, hang, hang back. Yeah, at least long enough to get a glance at the pirate ship, which makes them go running. Metalark, as they're walking towards this inn, says, there's no such thing as ghosts and pirate ships. Th those are a thing of the past. And as he's saying this, Curly, our bald friend, sees the ship. But even as he says it, he agrees, even as he sees it, he agrees with Metalark. He's like, yeah, that's right. That's why, even though I see a ship, I know it's not really there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. So they haven't quite made it into the inn, but Metalark realizes that he's left his lucky basketball back in the tour bus. And if, yeah. uh, if they don't have it, they'll lose the game. He knows it's superstition. He knows it should not have any bearing on his abilities, but he still wants it. Yeah, Vel Velma is really bringing out her inner skeptic this episode. And she says, that's just a superstition. You don't need a special basketball to win the game. Meadowlark says, I know it, you know it, but my hands don't know it. So I got to get that ball. So so uh, he, he heads on back. I gotta go back and get this basketball. Anybody care to join me? And just then, Scooby and Shaggy hear somebody say, Get out! And so they join him to go along to get the basketball. 
Um, Velma also hears that, or people hear that. Velma says, hey, there's nobody here but us, but we do see a weird guy with uh, creeper-like mismatched eyes and long white hair, and he's bald on top. And he responds to Velma, nobody but me. And then he, he turns around and mugs at the camera. Yeah, he really... <laughs> He really hands it up directly for the camera for a lot of this episode. I feel like almost like he's our narrator. He's our lemony snicket. He's he's a bizarre. He's a, he's a very bizarre character. Um, yeah, definitely not the last we see of him. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, you just said all that for the last time, Shaggy. There's no one here but us and me. And from there we see Metalark, Scooby, and Shaggy going to get the basketball. They they are there, and Metalark goes. He gets the ball. Metalark comes back, and through the fog looks to like a large man carrying a ball. He looks exactly like a large man spinning a basketball on the tip of his finger. There is no worldly monster or otherworldly ghost that he could possibly resemble, but just because he's a silhouette. It's it's so bonkers, because, like, again, it's like Scooby and Shaggy do not have object permanence. <laughs> as soon as they turn to look away from Metalark, he's gone from their minds. He never existed. And when they look back, he has to re-identify himself or he's a monster. Yeah, he's a swamp monster. And this is this is something that I guess we should have pointed out earlier. When the gang is being followed by the tour bus in the mystery machine, they believe that they're being followed or chased by a swamp monster. And a swamp monster is what Scooby and Shaggy believe Meadowlark is at this point in time. They run away. They, 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 what do they do? They crash into each other and they get stuck in either end of a log, a hollow log. Correct. Uh, back at the ranch, which is to say the old inn, that old guy has shown up and he starts talking about the ghosts of Redbeard. Yeah. At some point, this old guy is named Swampy Pete. But it is much later. It, it is m- so much later. Uh, up to that point, they call him a swamp rat. Man, No, r- not they. Specifically Velma. Specifically Velma. Is it just Velma that hates swamp people? No one else says it. It's only Velma. <laughs> Velma, on the one hand, I so admire rat. for her skepticism and for her braininess. And on the other hand, you say some terrible stuff, Velma. She's just really mean here. I'm just like, oh, what? Anyone who lives in the swamp is a swamp rat? A swamp rat. It's, this is a slur. She says it like it's a slur. It's said exactly like the palace guard refers to Aladdin as a street rat. It makes a... It unendears us to Velma. Undears us to Velma. Um, man, what happens next? So they're in the log, and then it becomes this whole thing where, like, Scooby and Shaggy think that Meadowlark is a swamp monster, and Meadowlark thinks that they're the swamp monster. Yeah, okay, that's exactly it. So Scooby and Shaggy initially think Metalark is the monster, they go jump in the log, then they're like, oh wait, no, it's just Metalark, but by that time, he thinks they're a two-headed log monster. (laughs) And Scooby and Shaggy, both with their arms sticking out of the log, start walking the log towards Meadowlark. Which is a much more frightening visual than just, like, the silhouette of, like, a man spinning a basketball on one finger. Meadowlark is far more justified in his fear as he runs away from them, but so yeah, Scooby and Shaggy are chasing Meadowlark, who's being chased by Scooby and Shaggy, but they don't realize they're chasing him. So it's that whole funny, like, oh, the, the Globetrotters are confused by the gang, the gang's confused by the Globetrotters. There's a lot of, like, miscommunication, misunderstanding. Yeah. It, it's very funny. Yeah, so far we're two and a half minutes into the episode. Are you serious? No, I'm kidding. We're like five or ten, but it's still, there's so much to cover. <laughs> okay, here's a really quick thing. Uh, they, they're in the log, they crash, it obviously disorients them. Uh, Shag, Shaggy says, hey Scooby, it's Fred, all three of him. Uh, because he's seeing he's seeing double, but he's literally seeing double. It shows Fred, and there are two of him. There are only two Freds, there's not a third. I, listeners, you're going to hear us say, I'm seeing three Freds, and you're going to go and watch the episode and be like, there's only two. We c- c- cleared, covered that for you. 
then there's another fun little uh, exchange. They want to get into the inn. Um, Metalark says, uh, hang on, kids. I'll take care of that. And then he says, Curly, knock the door down. Curly is a small guy. And at first I thought because Curly's bald, they're going to make Curly bash his head into the door. Not something to encourage kids to do. Curly instead says, hey, Jip, bust through the door. And Jip says, okay. And he does. So the old man, the swamp rat, keeps trying to scare the kids away. He's in the inn, and he's trying to spook them. He's, he's, he's like rattle. he's literally rattling yeah, chains. Yeah, and making creepy laughing noises. <laughs> and, and stomping around all creepy-like. And they're all, and the gang is all like, who's here? Shaggy's like, nobody but us chickens. He definitely says, um... Nobody here but us chickens, and I think to one at least one other episode we've reviewed. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they, Shaggy is constantly referring to himself and Scooby as chickens, and potentially here is the whole gang is chickens. The the Harlem Globetrotters they are uh, they're entertainers, and and it's well known to them that you know you you can change a mood. You you can sort of change a mood by a performance, I guess. If you want to drown out scary noises, you got to make fun noises. But no, they do say, like, hey, let's make some happy noises to drown out these scary noises, which doesn't really do anything to mitigate the potential danger, but okay. Uh, so they, they decide to play basketball. They, they needed to fill in a lot of basketball <laughs> gags here to justify the Globetrotters and to show their brand of comedy. And, and Fred says, hey, no deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> What's that from? It's from the whitest kids you know European history. <laughs> <laughs> no deal. European history, uh, which is to say that Fred Fred was not born yesterday. He's not going to uh, he's not going to play basketball against a bunch of professional basketball players when part of his group includes a dog. They're all white plus a dog, and even if Scooby is Airbud, these are the Globetrotters. They know who the Globetrotters are, so he's not crazy about it. But he does say, "All right, well, hey, let's warm up a little bit." Meadowlark also says, "How about this? We'll play you to ten and spot you eight points." And hey, that's that's a big advantage. That means all the gang has to do is score one basket and prevent the Globetrotters from scoring five. The Globetrotter, uh, or Metalark also says, don't use any tricks, they're just kids. They proceed to use all of the tricks in their book. Well, like, it's it's ridiculous because, and we're gonna have to, I want to get through this very quickly because, again, it, it, there's so much. Um, the gang ends up using their own, like, tomfoolery to score a basket, which is two points, which means they win 10-0. And normally that would mean, like, whoever gets to 10 first wins, but apparently in the globe... any game, like, in any game, it's like, oh, you won enough points to win, you've won the game. That's it. Period. We're done. But no, the Globetrotters, and this is the thing with the Globetrotters, they bend the rules for the sake of the joke on the court in real life. They say, hey, no, we have a chance to tie it up. No, you don't. You said first to ten. Yeah, first to ten. But no, they Meadowlark or or Geese Osby like rolls the ball around his arms, like along his arms, and then bounces it into the basket, and it bounces in it because they're using a potted plant it's like as a, a chamber basket. pot. A chamber pot or a spittoon as a basket. The ball bounces like in and out five times, and he's like, "That's ten points. <laughs> Two points apiece per bounce. Ten points. It's a tie." And the gang isn't about to argue with them because the Globetrotters are literally three feet taller than each member of the gang to a man. One thing that we should have mentioned is that the Globetrotters are on their way to Miami for a big game. Oh yeah, that's why the ball is so important. They've got a big game in Miami. That's where we'll end the episode. And, and they should be resting up. So they decide to turn in for the night in this inn. The old man tried to spook them. Uh, it didn't really work. Metalark says, Curly, will you stand, stand the watch? And Curly says, Me? And then Metalark says, you said me. I'm proud of you, Curly. You'll stand the watch. 
<laughs> As if saying me is assent or ever was. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, Evan, can you uh, can you grab my laundry for me? Me? Oh, that's consent. You're gonna do it. You just agreed. Oh, this is okay. Let's let's finish this bit before it gets any dicier. <laughs> yeah. Um, Redbeard finally shows up, and which is to say that Redbeard is the ghoul and ghost of this episode. The thing about Redbeard is he he looks like a stereotypical pirate. He has a big beard, no prosthetics, no peg legs or or hook hands. The thing about Redbeard is that Redbeard is all white. Completely white from head to toe, as are his ghost henchmen, his uh, his fellow pirates. They're all white from head to toe, dressed to look like pirates to a T. The problem is that his name is Redbeard. And wouldn't it be nice if like they were all white but his beard was red? I think that would make sense. That'd be cool. Sure. It'd be so weird if it was like, uh, this is a bad example, but like, oh, the ghost of the Green Ranger, and then he was white because he's a ghost. It'd just be very confusing. And another note on the villain is that they all talk a lot, and they talk in pirate character, no matter whether they're on screen or off screen. They all talk to each other as if they're pirates, like, Arr, get in the boat! Ah, we've got to get over here! Yeah, we've talked about um, all of the villains in Scooby-Doo being method actors. Yeah, these villains are all coming from the Daniel Day-Lewis school of villainery. Daniel Day-Lewis retired from acting. Yeah, I heard about that. Anyway, uh, th so the pirates are there. Velma thinks that it's, and I quote... Uh, the old swamp rat who is trying to scare them away again, but it's not. It's it's real deal ghosts. Uh, how, how do we know they're real deal ghosts again? We don't. Nope, they probably are though. And and here's um, the thing: we don't because they there's so much scuffling. They're they're they've all hidden. They're very very frightened. Um, and Scooby and Shaggy are behind a um. They're hiding behind a bar. A bar. Mm -hmm. A and, very well stocked uh, bar too. And and. It is actually very, very well stocked. Um, yeah, and I have to make a note along with that. They said this inn looks old and run down. As soon as they get inside, it looks like a very well-kept, well-maintained... It looks extremely modern. It's very chic for the time. Like the furniture. And it, there's nothing run down about it whatsoever on the inside. It looks very well-maintained. Especially the bar, which is incredibly well stocked. I was surprised we didn't have like a shootout with the bottles behind. So um, Scooby's nose, I guess, brushes up against Shaggy's back, which makes Shaggy think that the pirates are right behind them. So they spring up from behind the bar, and the pirates say, uh, you're surrounded. Give up, you two. You're surrounded. But Metal Lark Lemon jumps up on the other side of the room, and he says, no, you're surrounded. And it's true. There are three pirates, and there's 11 people, including Scooby-Doo. Globetrotters and Mystery Incorporated members all start to spring up out of the woodwork and paint the picture that, yes, the pirates are surrounded and do not have an advantage in numbers. No, and plus, the Globetrotters have, like, goofy fighting skills, like... When they're doing a joke, they can't be defeated. They're, they're Jackie Chan. And Chans, so when they're like, right? They're the Jackie Chans of the court. Exactly that. The funnier they are, the more indestructible they are. So they're like stomping on floorboards, getting them to swing up and hit the pirates, like bouncing basketballs off of their head and all that stuff. And that's when you realize that these can't possibly be ghosts because they're they're cor corporeal. They have physical forms that can be touched and uh, and, and hurt. Like Fred. Fred, in a very Jackie Chan move, he kicks a couch at one of the pirates. Knocks his feet out from under him. Fred also uh, runs away from one of the pirates, glances... It's, it's from Redbeard specifically, oh, if, if you're talking about the same thing that I think I'm about to. Yes. Fred's running away from Redbeard. He runs up to this closet, like, takes a peek in. We see, like, a little glance into this empty doorway, closes it. And then when Redbeard's about to get him, uh, Redbeard's like, Any last words? Fred says, Just two. Opens the closet and like a million cannonballs roll out. Redbeard says, what are they? And Fred says, 
happy landings, and yeah, just more cannonballs than you er you've ever seen in your entire life come rolling out from behind this closet door. And Red's question of what are they is not answered. We just have to assume they're cannonballs because Fred's response is the two words he said he would say. It's not a very well written piece of dialogue. And then, so Redbeard is carried across the floor of the inn to another doorway that Daphne holds open for him. And you would think that would be the end of the scene, that we've now, like, gotten rid of the ghosts. But Redbeard just, like, pops back up on his feet and re-enters the doorway. And, uh, and he says, like, no, I've got this other special move I'm going to use. He pulls out a skull... Look, I, I will summon the rest of my crew of ghost pirates. And it's like, okay, great. Like, w we can hurt them, and there are more of us. So, good luck. We've got six pro-level athletes on our side who are, except for Curly, all unusually tall. And Jip is, like, incredibly strong. That's not the tact that uh, that Fred takes. He, he actually just says, uh, you're bluffing, Redbeard. <laughs> Like, you won't bring more ghost pirates, I don't believe you. If you bring one more ghost pirate, I'll personally commit suicide. But no, I don't think you will. So, uh, Redbeard pulls out an artifact of sorts. It's, it's a golden skull, and he, he... Is it golden? It looked like it was... Yellowish. Tan it's, plastic. It doesn't look great. Well, the thing is, it's not an actual skull. I said an artifact because it's like, you know... It's clearly not a skull. Mm -hmm. It's very stylized. And all these multiple, like, all these different colored lights come streaming out... And they project, and I say project because that's clearly what it is. There's no question. Like, you can see the light beams coming out of the various holes in the skull, uh, and various colors of light beams, too. It looks like it's like a disco skull. All, yeah, all, yeah all, of these, all of these ghostly apparitions are projected out from the skull. And it's like, okay, well, it's cl they're clearly holograms. But this is where the gang is scared off. <laughs> Like, this is where the gang is really like, oh, holy crap, we can't touch these ghosts. They must be scary. I I said a lot earlier on that I don't like it when um, ghosts or ghouls can speak. Is that true here as well? I think I've been slowly changing my mind because whenever a ghost or ghoul says something ridiculous, it really endears me to them. Like, Redbeard says, uh, you forget. Oh, no, okay. Fred says, okay, fine, you've got us now. You've shot projections over the walls. We're clearly defeated. What are you going to do with us, Redbeard? Redbeard goes, Arr, maybe I'll have you walk the plank. <laughs> Velma says, that's corny. I mean, it just isn't done in this day and age. And that's when Redbeard says, uh, you forget. My day was 300 years ago before I became a ghost. <laughs> Well, you've got us there. It's like, do you mean when you were still alive? Like, there's got to be a better way of wording it, Redbeard. I love the idea that there's a, a normal person within this ghost who is just having the time of his life adopting this character. I just imagine there's such a thrill for them. This is their stage. Uh, Velma is very quick to po poke holes in his argument. She points out, um, listen, fella. She says, yeah, that's what she says. Listen, fella. Wow. If you're really an ectoplasmic apparition... How come you're not vanishing with the dawn? And we look out the window, and indeed, it, the sun is rising. I don't know if that's a scientific fact, Velma, that ectoplasmic apparitions disappear with the dawn, especially seeing as how you don't believe in them. Yeah, this isn't like Ghostbusters. This isn't like a hard and fast rule. Surely you have been around ghosts in the daylight before. Yeah, I mean, really, you've never been around a ghost before. You're right to believe they're not ghosts. This logic to discount them... Assumes that ghosts are... Jeez, oh, Velma, come on. But they don't disappear right away. But when we look out the window, Redbeard looks out the window, he, he does see the dawn and a helicopter swoops past. 
And with that, he does say, he's like, oh, you guys get away from us this time. Man, that was a terrible uh, one. They throw a smoke bomb down, and they disappear completely. Yeah. And with that, they, they have disappeared. And uh, we don't know where they disappeared to. All the doors are locked, so they don't look like they left through any door. And Velma... There are oil footprints yeah. that have been left behind. Velma spots some oily footprints, and that's when she declares a mystery. So Scooby and Shaggy find a trap door in the floor, and it drops them down right into the back of the speedboat that Redbeard and company have uh, are, are, are trying to start to leave. Yeah, and the, the thing on that scene that really stuck with me is that before Scooby and Shaggy go down and Redbeard is getting his guys to ready the speedboat, they're still talking like pirates. Like, absolutely. And maintaining the hierarchy of this is our captain, these are my, like, pirate underlings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're the crew. Such commitment off screen. Uh, but as you say, Scooby and Shaggy drop down into the back of that boat before that boat leaves and takes off. And the thing is that they're, they are talking about Scooby snacks. And, and Scooby is too distracted to eat the Scooby snacks for some reason that I can't really wrap my head around. He's like sniffing out Redbeard, mm -hmm. and for some reason he's more interested in sniffing out Redbeard than he is in Scooby Snacks, which Shaggy is for some reason offering him. Yeah, it's, it's a little odd. So they are, uh, they're on the speedboat, they're out on the water, they're out on the, the swamp, um, and, and so the gang and the Globetrotters see them, and uh, someone asks, any sign they're in trouble? And I believe it's Metalock who says, just one, a sign Scooby's holding up that says, help. Which undermines the visual gag of Scooby holding up a sign that says help, but as you and I have mentioned in the past, mm -hmm. possibly needed for that younger, illiterate audience. It makes the joke accessible for an illiterate audience, which I appreciate. Velma finds the trapdoor herself because there some Scooby snacks have been left behind. Uh, they go down. There is another boat that is still left behind that they can take to chase after Scooby, Shaggy, and Redbeard and the crew. There's a quick transition to Scooby and Shaggy in the back of the boat. Scooby uh, or Shaggy is throwing Scooby snacks out onto the water to leave kind of a breadcrumb trail. Our necks are more important than your tummy. And yeah, they're Hansel and Gretling it. Nice. Um, back with the gang and the Globetrotters, they're trying to get the... Uh, the boat started. Meadowlark says, this outboard, this outboard motor just won't start. Uh, Velma says, naturally, it needs a faster pole to create combustion. Fred looks to Meadowlark and the other guys, and he says, she's usually right. <laughs> Almost as if, like, none of us obviously understand anything Velma says, but she's probably right. Just be aware of that. So, um, he, one of the other Globetrotters and is the one who ends up pulling it. Pablo. Uh, and he pulls it with such force that the uh, the speedboat which is attached to the wharf pulls the wharf away the wharf that is holding all of the globetrotters on it. it they're undocked with the dock it the whole thing goes along and it's almost like they're riding on some jet skis they're not going nearly quickly enough but sure extremely buoyant wood like i don't know uh, yeah it's it's made out of balsa or something and they're with that they're going along they're sailing after the uh after the pirates that stole that they're, they're sailing after scooby and shaggy um amidst puns and cookies but we notice that there are some fish in the water that are starting to eat the scooby snacks so the trail is getting eaten up redbeard redbeard and company go behind a green curtain of i guess like that's meant to look like uh i don't know like vines or something yeah, it looks like a big wall of hanging vines. Is that a thing in the swamp? Uh, I don't know. It's The thing about the old... You, you see this swamp rat, as Velma keeps referring to him, watch them go behind this curtain, and he has a walkie-talkie. And it's just like, there's got to be more to this guy. Like, what's his deal? 
why is he trying to scare everyone off and the pirates are trying to scare everyone off? Like, this is, why double down? There's this whole, Scooby and Shaggy, they get to, I guess, the hideout of these pirates. It looks like they're like oil, not tankers, because that's... Oil reservoirs of some sort. Yeah, uh-huh. But I, I said they go to the pirate place, and when I say pirate place, the thing is it's not very piratey. It kind of looks like an oil refinery of sorts. It looks very industrial. doesn't look like the place uh, a couple of pirates would choose as their cove. And look, there's so, basically it's a really, really, really extended chase scene, and I, I say we just hit the highlights, of which there are, are a few. Like, Scooby and Shaggy, they, they are on the deck, they are found out by the pirates, they make their way up onto the deck of the ship, and there's a guy up there who's mopping. There's, there's a mop, there's a soap, there's, there's a bucket. Scooby and Shaggy run past him. What he does is he takes the bucket, he puts it on top of the bar of soap, and he slides it in their direction. He yes. then runs behind the bucket and the soap and says, they don't call me Slippery Sam for nothing. Which is crazy. It's almost like the pirates are secondary guest stars. Like we're learning about the different pirate names and their own things, just as much as we're learning about uh, Curly and Pablo and, and, and J.C. Gibson. It's so bonkers because it's like, why is running behind this slippery trail speeding you up? Why is this aiding you? Yeah, and why are Scooby and Shaggy, like, at first we don't see the pirate chasing after. We just see him put the bucket of water on the suds and then slide at Scooby and Shaggy, who flee, terrified. <laughs> like, they've never taken a bath in their lives, and they're not yeah. about to now. If things that scare Sh Scooby and Shaggy are, are hunger, education slash learning, and cleanliness. Did you say hunger? Hunger. Hunger? I'm so hungry. <laughs> I heard... I heard hunter loud and clear, okay? They're they're down in the guts of the ship. Into the brig, down into the guts of the ship. And the ship itself, although it looks very piratey on the outside, couldn't look more industrial on the inside. Very modern. There are hatches. It's metal. It almost looks like so, they're in a big submarine or something. It does. They run down a corridor and open a hatch, and behind it is Redbeard. So they slam it. They run back down the hallway to another hatch, and behind that hatch is another pirate. And this is the only instance of the scooby Doop, and it's so bad. It's the, cl the closest thing that they have to it. And I'll, I'll describe the scooby what scooby Doop is, and then you describe what it is here. The scooby Doop is where Scooby and Shaggy do a little gag. They kind of uh, pretend they're in another situation, and they get the monster to buy into it, to also accept that they're in this new situation. Uh, if they were on a ship, they might pretend that they really need to swab the deck and they'd throw a mop to the person chasing them. And the person who's chasing them just kind of accepts, oh yeah, I guess we gotta swab the deck. And they start doing that. And that gives Scooby and Shaggy an opportunity to run away. Yeah, they sort of like swab the deck off screen. Uh, but in this case, the pirate sees them. He asks them, which way did they go? Scooby and Shaggy then point behind them and say that way, which causes the pirate to uh, bump head on into his captain. Yeah, the, and Scooby and Shaggy are not wearing another outfit, if that's what you're thinking. Oh, they must be dressed as pirates, and that's why they get away with it. Nope, not a thing. There's not a moment for them to change, and they don't. So they're, they're back on the on the deck of the ship. And sorry, I, I really want to apologize to our listeners. I had framed this as being a pirate ship. It actually just looks like, an, a, I guess, a, a, an oil tanker, or like a... It looks like a normal ship. Well, it's kind of both, um, as well, we find out. It's a pirate yeah. ship that's also a tanker. Because what happens is... Uh, Shaggy sees a control panel. He sees these levers on this control panel. Very mechanical, very metal levers. 
Avast, matey, or I'll belay you with this belaying pin. Because he sees these levers, and he's like, oh, they're belaying pins. Yeah, he's like, I'll pull one of these, and then probably, like, uh, a mast will swing. Or, uh, yeah, like, part of the sail and knock these guys down. That I guess that's what he's thinking. I think what he meant was that I will, like, hit you with this object. That was my reading of it. Uh, he ends up pulling the lever, and all of these sails spring out from the interior of the ship. So it goes from being like, a, I guess a normal looking sort of just like normal flat decked ship to now looking like a pirate ship. Yeah, so these levers apparently are what let it change back and forth. It would have been better if we'd gotten that introduction earlier on maybe, or the the fact that it's, here's a pirate ship, but there's a tanker ship. Because but we're introduced to that kind of late and kind of midstream. Um, um, where do Scooby and Shaggy run to next? Do you, do you remember how I, I mentioned that swamp monsters play a large role in this episode in that everyone thinks there's swamp monsters correct in fact the episode is called the ghostly creep from below and there's nothing of the sort and there there, there are no references to pirates for some reason in the title of this episode no no references at all which that's what it should have been there's ghostly i guess they're ghost pirates creep i guess the weird swamp rat is a creep <laughs> i think he's the creep. he's the ghostly creep from below it's titled after someone who's not the villain I, I shouldn't give away that he's not the villain, but uh, we'll see. So uh, it, it's, it's all to say that um, the gang and the Globetrotters have finally made their way to... They, they followed the, uh, the Scooby Snacks as well as they could. Instead of fish eating them, they found uh, the packet, the bag or whatever. And when they're passing through the green curtain, the green curtain drapes itself over them. Such that they now look like an extremely misshapen giant crocodile or something like that. Or... As the, uh, oh, actually, you know what? They're the swamp monster. Yes, exactly. That's what you were getting towards. Mm-hmm. The, the the pirates see him and they say, Arrgh, there's a swamp monster. Which is ridiculous. Come on, guys. Like, you can at least see that your curtain is gone. You should be able to see that. The gang somehow make their way up onto the deck of the ship. And they, they kind of spot the weirdo. As they're go- going up on the deck of the sh- ship, they spot the weirdo nearby, again on the radio. And Velma says, he's alerting the ghosts to our presence. Like, they still think the swamp rat is a bad guy. He is kind of creepy, but... Well, he, yeah. Well, he's the one who's, like, he's the one who told them about the pirates. There's not really any reason to believe that he's not in cahoots with them. But his relationship with them is really unclear, still to us at this point. Whatever the case, um... There's a lot of back and forth. Scooby and Shaggy are up in a crow's nest. They can see down below that Fred and Daphne are being hemmed in on both sides by pirates. Yeah, they see they're in danger. And what do you do when you see your friends are in danger but jump from high, high heights to try and land down and save them? It reminded me exactly of the other guys in which The Rock and Samuel L. Jackson are up on the top of a building. They, they can see that um, the criminals are on the ground running away. They turn to each other and they say, aim for the bushes, aim for the bushes. That's what this was for me. This was Scooby and Shaggy's aim for the bushes moment. And it ended the exact same way. For the remainder of the episode, we follow Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell (laughs) playing the roles of Scooby and Shaggy with the gang. Uh, They land on the pirates, and for some reason, neither of them are hurt. In any way. It somehow all ends with them being on the deck surrounded by pirates. Yeah, there's uh, just a whole bunch more gags. Redbeard tries to net the gang. He tries to net on them, but uh, the Globetrotters pull a switcheroo, and and uh, Redbeard winds up netting all over his own his own crew. And it's it's funny because you think that this may be the end, that like oh these guys yeah. have been netted. Now it's over. 
yeah, now we get Redbeard and we're done. But no, I guess they get free somehow. <laughs> they get free somehow, and still, we do still end up with... And, and, and there's so many other little things where you think they defeated him. Like, Shaggy's hiding behind these barrels, and he, uh, like, ends up grabbing onto this oil hose. It looks like a fireman's hose, but it's filled with oil, and it's just like... It's like wrestling a snake, firing oil at all the pirates, and it blasts them off their feet. But again, there's no effect. The pirates just keep coming. I actually thought that since the pirates are white, they're all ghostly white, the oil would stick to them or show them to not be actual pirates. Or, or spray the white off them. That would make sense. Especially given early on, we didn't mention this, but Scooby's hiding near the pirates and he sneezes. That's what gives away Scooby and Shaggy and makes them start running. And Shaggy says, Scooby's allergic to you, which made me think they're covered in baby powder or something like that. No such thing. That's not referenced again. If anything, Scooby should have been sneezing way earlier, like when they first saw the pirates. If they'd done a sneeze during the first interaction and then then, then there's no reason not to do the baby powder. It's such an easy thing to throw in there. You can even just have one piece of dialogue from Velma or Daphne. Again, they somehow make it onto the deck in spite of all of these moments in which it looks like they have the upper hand. It looks like they've defeated the pirates. Somehow, there's it's an uphill battle. They're on the deck. Um, who should crawl up over the side but the Swamp Rat, who finally introduces himself. He says, Psst, it's me, Swampy Pete. <laughs> I wasn't sure when that happened, if that was the first time he'd introduced himself. I'm like, I'm like, Swampy Pete? I thought you were Swamp Rat, the, the uh, less than human person. Uh, and so they all jump over the side. Yeah, they're like, I guess we have no choice now but to trust this disgusting Swamp Rat. And just as Scooby jumps over the side of the, the ship, he once again jostles the control panel, which uh, then reverses the transformation from tanker to pirate ship. It now goes pirate ship to tanker, and that's what traps the, the pirates. Ultimately, that is what does the trick. And oh, this is such a weird episode because we never actually get any of the pirates unmasked. If you're wondering who was the villain all along, it wasn't Swampy Pete. We don't know who it was. We'll never know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very odd because the only unmasking is Swampy Pete's unmasking. That, the guy who was the good guy is unmasked. He unmasks himself to reveal a very normal looking dude. He's Lieutenant Pete Dugan. He's with the Swamp of the Harbor, of Patrol. The Harbor Patrol or the Swamp Police, as I like to think of him. Uh, and he says that Redbeard was a crooked oil man. D does he have a name? No. Nope, just a crooked oil man. And I guess he was scaring people away from his oil operations. Which is very, it's a very Scooby-Doo way of protecting your oil operations that are illegal. But in reality, you'd think, why would you, why would you pretend to be a pirate? Wouldn't that draw a lot of attention to you? Why not pretend to just be like a couple of people living in the bayou? With guns. Yeah, with guns. Guns that could scare people away. <laughs> yeah, with guns and uh, and a mindset that's of 300 years ago. Why do you have to be an actual pirate from 300 years ago? But that's what they do. And it's like, who, who would have been around to scare away anyway? This isn't a tourist spot. If it were, it would make sense. It would make perfect sense. You, wanna, you want this tourist spot to be deserted, to go out of business. Mm -hmm. That way, you truly can go about your oil operations w without fear of being seen. Yeah, and there's a maybe because there's this. They call it an old, basically abandoned inn, even though it looks like it could be a tourist spot. But the only other people we see around are the, the swamp rat, aka Pete Dugan, and the police helicopter. And that's what it turned out to be. It was a police helicopter, and that's what scared off Redbeard, not the dawn earlier. So we got this through this in surprisingly good time. And I feel like we did that partly by neglecting almost every pun and every gag involving the Globetrotters. But, look, but there's, there's really so way much. too many. 
if we want to keep on covering the mystery, as mysteries go, who else could it have been? Do you know what I mean? But nobody, but just some guy who wanted oil? Yeah, we realized maybe halfway through the episode that oil was the objective here. We saw enough oil uh, machinery and barrels and stuff like that, but there was never anybody it could have been except the guy that we were supposed to suspect from the start, who was a red herring. And, and yeah, and the thing is, you're not going to think that it's Swampy Pete, because Swampy Pete is already, like, a villain of sorts. And they're already He's... accusing Swampy Pete, and it can never be someone they accuse early on. Why was Swampy Pete trying to scare them away? Why was he trying to be a go why was he trying to be like a scary ghost? Why was he rattling chains? And he 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 had a very different objective than Redbeard, who wasn't trying to scare them away. Redbeard wanted them to walk the plank into crocodile infested water. Redbeard wanted to kill them. I don't know who this Pete Dugan guy is, but like he his methods are questionable at best. I want to see his uh, his meeting with his higher ups. Like, so what's your plan to catch this uh, this oil guy? What's his name again? Oil guy, just oil guy. What we call him? Crooked oil man. Crooked oil man. Well, I'm gonna dress up as a swamp rat. You know, one of those real rat-like swamp people. All right, and then what? Well, then I'm gonna scare away anybody else who comes to the area. You know, just try and keep away any gangs or professional basketball teams. And uh, and I'll use that as a system of vetting people. And uh, whoever makes it past my test, they're the ones who I'll follow to uh, to the to the pirates. <laughs> Because if they can get past Swampy Pete, which I'll introduce myself as at the very end, then they can definitely catch these uh, the bad oil man, oh. crooked oil guy. Yeah, Pete's uh, his methods are questionable, but damn it, he gets results. Yeah, I, I like to think that he had to turn in his badge halfway through this episode, but he got it back afterwards. It does turn out that um, the Globetrotters think they're going to be late to their game, which is understandable. They, they've been waylaid in, in quite a large way. Thankfully, Pete Dugan, he, he hooks him up. He says, let me call a taxi, which in fact takes the form of like an Apache helicopter or something. It's a helicopter. And it flies all of them, special lucky ball and all, to Miami, where they're playing the Miami Marauders. Or that is what, uh, that is what the outside of the stadium says. Globetrotters versus Miami Marauders. Is that not what they're playing on the inside? I didn't actually check jerseys. If you look at the scoreboard on the inside, it says Globetrotters on one end, skyscrapers on the other. <laughs> That's fabulous. Um, um, we're pretty close to the end of our time, but I'd say let's take some time to go into detail on the game that uh, the Globetrotters play against the Marauders slash skyscrapers. I just want to, I just want to cover my favorite one, which which you said a little bit earlier. Just to to show the escalation, first there's the tip off. The Globetrotters all climb on each other's shoulders to win that part. There's some basic Globetrotters gag, because in their real games, they do, like, get on each other's shoulders to dunk and all that stuff. And they do, like, fake out the, uh, the opposing team with a lot of really sweet ball handling moves. But it goes way, way beyond that here. Not always in a way that makes a lot of sense. Like, at one point, one of the enemy team makes a shot for the goal. The Globetrotters jump up through the hoop, grab the ball, pull it through the hoop, <laughs> securing the point for the enemy team... But then they get launched on a springboard to dunk on the other side. So it's like, hey. I loved that. I was just like. What? The other team got their points. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to imagine that um, because the score is like 54-62 or something like that. Like they're not up by that much. Yeah. But I'd like to imagine that all of the points are scored by the Globetrotters on their own goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They're not up by very much, but they do have enough of a lead that they don't need to cheat like this. And that's, they are cheating really hard. Again, in the real games they play, they do bend the rules to have fun. 
for instance, I, I think personally there's a lot of carrying that happens, you know, like letting your hand go below the lower hemisphere of the ball. Uh, but there are the gags are hilarious. That's one I love. My favorite gag, and I, I'm guessing we're going to go to yours next, but my favorite gag, um, it's 54 to 48. Globetrotters are up. The skyscrapers slash marauders are dribbling down the court. One of the Globetrotters is running at him, holding a goldfish bowl with a goldfish in it. He throws it up in the air, like above the enemy team member, who abandons the ball to catch the fish. Like he tries to save the fish's life and loses control of the ball for it. And it's hilarious to me that the Globetrotters did that. It's almost like... This is what supervillains do. Yeah, you you put an innocent life in danger to try and get what you want. Yeah, you throw someone off a building so that the hero dives for them instead of, like, arresting you. Yeah, and granted, the Globetrotter in this case pretended to trip so the, the goldfish went up in the air, but you know it was intentional. Hands down, my favorite of the Globetrotters gags is that um, one of the skyscrapers slash marauders, he does, like, a jump shot. And it uh it lands perfectly inside the Globetrotter's net. It then falls into a tube that goes all the way across the court to right above the enemy hoop. It winds all the way around. Just like imagining setting that system up must have taken at least twenty minutes, even if it was all pre-built and they had a team. <laughs> it's... Ah, oh, it's just so funny. I actually, like, that one actually slayed me. Because it's like, oh, I scored in your basket, and it's just... Uh, there's a lot of... You know that kind of, uh, that cheap amateur gag in, when you're shooting, like, a basketball sketch? Where you, you throw the ball normally, and it, like, goes in the hoop, and then you just, like, throw it sideways, and it cuts to the hoop, and it still goes through nothing but net. And you just, like, roll it on the ground, and it cuts to the hoop, and it goes through the net. That's what a lot of their shots are like. Like, it just bounces off their foot and goes in some direction. Wait, is that an actual sketch? I feel like I've seen that sketch multiple places. Oh, man, that's really funny. I'm sad other people have done it. It's simple, but it really works. I think that's probably there's sev several vines that do that. Or whatever is replaced vines. Oh, yeah. Vines. Uh, but really, it's a lot of Globetrotter sketches. Maybe my other favorite one is where Curl, not Curl, Pablo, number 15... Uh, is going to take a shot, but these two really giant sky... They're called the skyscraper because they're really tall, I guess, um, are blocking his way. So he runs back, comes back to them, holding the ball attached to a kite, which one of the other Globetrotters leads up. He has bellows. Yes, another Globetrotter has bellows he uses to fuel the pipe. <laughs> or not the, the kite. He gives it some air with some bellows, and of course that goes all the way up to above their hoop. Then he pulls the kite back and, and the ball drops. Do you remember what the final score is? It's something like 68 to 48 or something like that. It's not as high as you would think it would be. It's not a blowout like it should be. And one weird thing is that Pete Dugan says they get a reward. I guess the reward is them getting courtside tickets to the Globetrotters game. I guess, but they Pete refers to the, the reward while they're at the game. And Shaggy's like, hey, can we get an advance on that reward in the form of a, uh, a burger? Pete's like, yeah, sure. He buys them a burger. Scooby eats it instead of Shaggy. And Shaggy goes after him. Scooby gets thrown up towards the hoop by the Globetrotters. Apparently, it's just second nature for them. And the episode ends with Scooby finishing off Shaggy's hamburger while and sitting in the hoop. His body proportions are terrible. Do you have that up on screen? Can you see him? Yeah, I was just watching it right now. Look how he has like a normal-sized torso and then like almost no lower body. That's because his lower body needs to fit into the hoop, but you still need to be able to see him. So yeah, his back legs and like button, all that is super crunched down to fit in the hoop. Uh, but yeah, that's it. I... Oh, man, I feel like we, 
we said so much stuff and we covered so little. That is such a dense episode. We can't return to another 40-minute one for a long time. I need a break. Not not for a while. It's so difficult. Yeah. Like, watching it to begin with takes forever. And then, like, having to recap all of it is... You, you have to throw out so much. And I, I want to say this because I feel like it can come off as you and I not liking Scooby-Doo because we're so critical of it. But I would hate for people to think that. I love Scooby-Doo. Me too, and I maybe we should have said this at the beginning of the episode, but I love Scooby-Doo. We've yet to see an episode that I was not thrilled to watch, including this one. Uh, I think being critical of stuff is how I enjoy it. I like, I like putting it on a spectrum of good to bad just on Sco- in Scooby-Doo's own terms, but I've loved every episode we've watched, and again, this is no exception. When Scooby-Doo is bad, it has always been of the so bad it's good variety. It has never been Scooby-Doo bad boring. We've talked off, uh, off mic about this, and that's part of what's enjoyable about Scooby-Doo is how uneven it is. How one moment the, the, the animation is so clean and fluid, and another it's jerky and only the mouth moves. I think that is the greatest crime that entertainment can uh, commit is to be boring is to be like oh this this isn't this is so middle of the line it it doesn't do anything at all for me yeah like it's not bad but neither is it good it's safe and bland as drinks go this is water nah sometimes you need to drink water i don't like that analogy (laughs) i like water water is flavorful for me it's even a little bit spicy sometimes if you get it from the tap you gotta replace your pipes man like yeah i should got some pipes on that one uh, but no, I, I just want to note that, like, we especially here had a lot of little criticisms of the episode, but I loved it. I know you loved it, too. And that's part of what we love about it is how silly it is and how unmoored it is from logic. It's funny that you said, you know what, no, I'm not going to get into that joke. Well, that's that's really most of my thoughts for this episode. Just so long, so dense. If you feel like we didn't cover the particulars well enough, go watch it yourself. There's tons of puns. There's tons of little gags. If you love the Globetrotters, this is a great one to watch. The next time we come back to this, I think maybe we'll do a Batman and Robin one, or like the Adams Family or something. I'd love to do a Batman and Robin. I think that'd probably be very yeah, exciting. I think that'd be great. Probably a lot of our listeners know Batman and Robin probably the best of any of the guest episodes. I, I think that this is great because of how much you know and love about the Globetrotters. So I think that that was very helpful. I, that made this really enjoyable for me. And I'm sorry I didn't get more of a chance to to use everyone's full name, because these are, to me, larger-than-life figures. Like, Meadowlark Lemon, when he was on, he was the clown prince of the Globetrotters. Really established what they were. So did Curly Neal and Gee Sosby. The other three, BJ Mason, Pablo Robertson, and Jip Gibson, didn't, aren't as well-remembered. Or not, like, remembered poorly, just like they aren't as well-known nowadays. But the Globetrotters are amazing to me. I love that they appeared here. And they would later go on to have their own Hanna-Barbera TV series. I don't believe it was animated, but it was Hanna-Barbera. Yeah, I think one of them had a basketball for a head. Oh, wait, no, you're right. It was animated, and they did have a basketball for a head. That was our big argument oh, going into this that's episode. that's what I was talking about. You, okay, oh, people, man. we were talking about doing a Globetrotters episode. Evan was insistent that one of the Globetrotters had a basketball for a head. Maybe that's and what Scooby would not was give shit. it up. Yeah. No matter what, I would not. I was just like, no, one of the Globetrotters... He has a head. It is a basketball. And you're right. In their their own series, that is the case, but not here. So in a way, we're both right. But the amazing thing is that Scooby or Shaggy thinks they see Meadowlark Lemon with a basketball for a head as a monster earlier on in the episode. A little foreshadowing for series to come. I can't, yeah. I, I'm just glad I was right on some level. On some level. And I, when you said that, I like Googled it, and I had, my blood ran cold. Because I saw like, an <laughs> image, and I was like, oh, shoot. Because <laughs> it does exist, just not here. Yeah, here's the thing. I would, I did not Google it. 
I was so convinced I was right. I did not go to Google. I was like, I I got this. <laughs> no fact check needed. Wow. No, that's when you know. That's when you know you're like confident about something is when you don't turn to Google to double check. Yeah. Oh man. Maybe I can try and incorporate a little bit of Sweet Georgia Brown into our theme song this week to get some of that Globetrotters feel in there. Um, anything else we need to note that we missed during the episode? Uh, there's a lot, man. There's. I, I feel like... We could go on forever. Uh, I, I, I think it's worth noting that um, no one is sidelined. Everybody has a moment. None of, none of the characters uh, are diminished for the sake of guest stars or other characters. Including the pirates. Not even the pirates have to take a backseat for how many characters are in this episode. That's why they call me Slippery Sam. It, it's ambitious, but also successful. That's what I would say. The mystery itself, yeah. lackluster. The rest of it, pretty good. If you told me there's a 40-minute episode of Scooby-Doo before I'd seen it, I would say, that's got to be a really thin, slow episode. But if anything, this was more dense than most episodes of Scooby-Doo. I hope this was enjoyable for you guys to listen to. I really love talking to you about it, Evan, and I really love watching the episode. Yeah, this this has been a good time, and I can't make basketball. I want to. I, I like to end episodes on a joke, but I don't know any basketball jokes. Yeah, I'm not even going to try and think of uh, any any jokes like that. I guess... I'm just glad that we ended this episode. I, I think I'm confident I can say, I now know what is sport. Hmm. Sport is family. Lilo and Stitch. Sport means family, and family means never having to say you're sorry. We're done. We're done. This is this is over. Calabunga. You could have cut. The, you could have reasonably cut this episode <laughs> off after me saying I don't know any basketball jokes. <laughs> now I will. That is the point I'm going to cut it off. <laughs> okay, good, because I do think that would right. be really funny. But I don't know any basketball jokes. Well, that was the entire episode. You heard the game buzzer. You uh, saw the teams retreat back to their locker rooms. Game over. Uh, we're done. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of Scooby Dudes. I, I feel so inadequate just as far as like contributing relevant and like pithy sports references you should feel less embarrassed than me i'll say this now at the end of the episode that i was obsessed with basketball for like two years in high school when we met you loved basketball so much i literally carried a basketball around with me everywhere every day at school every five or ten minute break i had i sprinted out to the basketball court and shot hoops partly because i didn't make the jv team one year even though I shot hoops in my backyard with my dad, and so I was really determined to make it. And I did, and then I hated it. Yeah, you hated it so much. It's so, you, it's... You really disliked it. Yeah, no, I, what I liked was the Globetrotters. I liked having fun. So embarrassingly, I had like zero sports jokes in this, uh, in this episode. I can spin a basketball on my finger, I cannot make sports puns, apparently. Well, I, I mean, I, I, think, I think that you did all right. Uh, speaking of people who do all right... Mmm... Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, speak about those people who do all right. I mean, normally we frame them in much loftier terms, which they are very deserving of. Uh, There is a cadre of men and women who have taken it upon themselves to to support us monetarily via a system called Patreon. Yes, our patrons on Patreon really do keep everything going around here. So let's shout out some of these delicious... Why did I call them delicious? 
<laughs> delicious. We've got some delicious patrons to shout out for you folks today. Like, this is not the first time we've made reference to our patrons as being, like, flavorful and things that we want in our mouths. Like, this is... Oh, that's, that's, because, that's because we shout them out every week, and I often say that I don't want a week to go by where they don't emerge from my mouth, where they don't spend some time in my mouth. So, here's some delicious patrons from my mouth to your ears. I've never, I've never worried about losing patrons more than right now. <laughs> I've never worried about gaining patrons. <laughs> now is no exception. Uh, but we do want to, we do want to shout out our patrons every week. Uh, this week, there's no one new who's patronizing us, but our recurring donations mean quite a lot. I mean, if it helps at all, I could, I could patronize you. <laughs> you do every week. That's all you do. You're doing a really good job hosting this podcast. Oh, stop it. Those, those jokes are very. You're funny. Talking down to me. P- people. Re- People really like them. I'm sure they like you. Actually, I, I like that. Can you say a little more of that about me? No, we're done. You're, you're enjoying it too oh, much. No, 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 no. I, it meant something to me. Let's, let's shout out our donors before I take this off track more. Uh, oh, and if you want to join these donors and get some special, original, additional content to our episode, both audio, visual, and hard in your hands, uh, go patreon.com slash scoobydudes. Uh, to get this stuff. Hard content in your hands. They'll get goods. Paper services. Evan's cracking up like I shouldn't say that we're going to put something hard in your hands. <laughs> Patrons, Evan doesn't know you, but I know you. You want hard, turgid, firm stuff in your mitts. I don't want to record another outro. I want to get this done now. I'm talking about stickers. We'll give you stickers if you donate. Here are our patrons. Thank you so much for supporting us for yet another week. Moving on, we have other places that you can check us out at. Uh, One of them is Facebook. Yeah, it's facebook.com slash scoobydudes. I have finally, finally gotten around to to scheduling out uh, some posts. If you are looking for those, you you will find them every Tuesday, uh, in Mm -hmm. which I've been cribbing these really, really funny posts from Tumblr. It really is true that Evan thinks these are funny. So definitely check those out. <laughs> um, and I've also been putting together like memes from our episodes, which it, like may or may not be good, but I I like putting them together. I just roasted you, but I will say I think your meme game is on point. Uh, pretty much every meme Evan makes on Scooby Doo gets a laugh out loud laugh from me. And also on Twitter, Twitter.com, we are the Scooby Dudes. Mm-hmm. Don't go to don't go to Scooby Dudes. Unless you want to find out about uh, someone's family. Yeah, some effing guy who posts about his effing kids. <laughs> Ignore that. Go to the Scooby Dudes to get all of our uh, fresh original content and tweets. Uh, beyond that, I would highly recommend that you check us out at our website, ScoobyDudes.com. That is the best portal to get all of our original content. Screenshots for every episode, funny captions on those screenshots, very detailed show notes following up on these episodes, and corrections, anything that you might have caught. I have very recently uh, revamped a lot of the site, mm. so even if it's just to see what might be new, uh, I, I think it's a lot easier to navigate now. So I think it's worth checking out for that reason alone. I would totally agree with that, that Evan thinks it's a lot easier to navigate right now. So please this go is... check out our website. <laughs> to be fair, I I did start that patronizing bit, so we I like to think we're on e- even ground right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that, that Evan thinks we're on even ground right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, iTunes. Write us. Uh, find us on iTunes. Rate us five stars. No matter what you say in the in your review, give us five stars on iTunes. We want it. We would love you to rate us. Um, and please shoot us shoot us an email 
if if you want to, I mean, we would like you to, but if you want to, shoot oh, yeah. us an email. Uh, that's Scooby Dudes Podcast at gmail.com. Not, we've responded to every email we've gotten so far, even from strangers. Especially from strangers. Now we consider those strangers friends, if you're one of those strangers listening. Um, I think that's all the places you can check us out, isn't it? Well, you think that's all the places. Yeah, aren't you? <laughs> no, but but you're right. That is all the places. Well, I guess that's that's it. I'm sad to bring this to a close, but thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of Scooby Dudes. We're going to be back next week. A uh, little preview of the episode we're going to be covering. It's going to be the fast and the wormiest. What's new Scooby-Doo? What's new Scooby-Doo, yeah. So join us for that for another week. For the time being, I love you listeners. I love you, Evan. And I love you listeners. Catch you next week. I agree with that. Evan thinks he loves the listeners. How dare you? I, I shouldn't have besmirched that. I was going to say how dare you, sir, but I don't like that uh, I don't like that bit. Do you know what I mean? I don't like the the offended like nobleman. Sir, like I I'm removing one of my gloves one finger at a time, sir, and I shall throw it at your feet. It's a little too bougie for me. Mm. It feels overdone. Do you know the whole like ah thank you you are a gentleman and a scholar like I don't like that. Yeah, and like we're 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 two dudes clad in fedoras and neck beards are holding the doors open for each other. No, you sir. Oh, monsieur. You surely you must go. Monsieur. <laughs> monsieur. Yeah. Why hasn't anyone? yet done a sketch where um it's the op where like neckbeards are women oh so it's like right please monsieur come right this way (laughs) i want to see one where maybe because people would think they were french i i want to see one where it's neckbeards who are gay so they're treating each other (laughs) they're they're gallantly trying to win over each other please let me get this for you monsieur no please let me get this for you they're like white knighting each other. It's like a white knight, a round table jerk. Ooh, nice. I like it. All right. Um, we should end it there. Thank you. This outro is like ten minutes long. Are you gonna cut any of this? Some of it probably. But <laughs> okay. I, honestly, I've really enjoyed this outro. It's really <laughs> great. I thought there was some good dual roasting going back and forth. Excellent. No, this is All okay. Right. Uh, if if Luke hasn't cut this, thank you again for listening. Really appreciate you.